Hey, hey, you people of Earth, it's time to enter the Spoilerverse via our secret portal at the exclusive Arctic Club in beautiful downtown Seattle with our hosts, John and Kenrick. Welcome to Spoiler Country. Hey, if you're listening to our show for the first time and you're on one of the social medias that we're on, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those kinds of things, you should always check us out on SpoilerVerse.com. But if you want to keep up with our latest episodes, you should bring out your smartphone, get into your favorite podcaster, find Spoiler Country, and hit subscribe. Then you'll get all our new stuff. And if you want to reach out to us, you can do that in two ways. You can call us, leave us a voicemail at 707-656-2080. Again, 707-656-2080. Or you can shoot us an email at SpoilerCountry at gmail.com. United Armies of the Spoilerverse, welcome back to Spoiler Country. I'm Kenneth Cregan. That is Mr. Horsley. And today on the show, well, we're going to be introducing a new podcast to the network. To the world. And it's called Funny Book Forensics. And it's with the hilarious, never-sleeping Greg Smith and his counterpart, counterpart, counterhost, co-host, Dan Chabot. Yeah. Guys, welcome. Hello. So, Hi. No, bring out the real Greg, please. <laughs> hey, guys. Um, no, not that. Hey. No, no. There you go. There this it is. is the there guy it is. I deal with, you know, on a weekly it's basis. True. Yeah. It's, it's true. amazing. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> forever. You've, yes, you've had to deal with me forever, Dan. It'll end. You know, Greg, you're pretty insane. You have a lot of people who deal with you on a regular basis. And, and what's your, do you Well, do you I mean, drugs, Dan, what's, Dan what's has literally had to deal with me forever. This is like a lifetime friendship. So it's like, <laughs> I mean, he has dealt with me forever. Do, do, have you all heard of the, you know, the the super amazing, ever popular, forever lasting group? Take that with Robbie Williams. No, no. you well, Robbie with, Williams. With you can look it up later. Uh, Greg Greg once put their single in my tape player in my car and wouldn't take it out for like a two hour. Road it trip. was literally like that episode of uh, How I Met Your Mother where the tape got stuck and we continued to drive south towards Portland to uh, um, to, to the, the beautiful uh, um, historic town of Longview, Washington. And uh, would. Oh, historic. Yes, yes. That's what yes, I call it. Yes. Yeah. I was trying to. Not a crack that or, or a meth land, just historic. Yes. It's, it's yes. amazing. Well, the tape just continued to play and play and play and play and play. And now it is ingrained in our heads. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I want you back for good, Greg. It's Always. true. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least it wasn't fun, young cannibals. <laughs> this is going to go well. <laughs> it already is off to a great start. <laughs> so, funny book forensics, what, what's that about? What is it about? What is it not about, John? Is it about cats riding motorcycles yes depends on the book oh hey then it's about everything yeah it, <laughs> it's about if everything. the book is about <laughs> cats on motorcycles then that's what you're gonna get i i hadn't considered that option but you know it's definitely an option uh, i think greg could make that work <laughs> we could find it i honestly a funny book forensics is is greg and i talking about comics and a kind of our format is we've nerded out about comics for a long time I'll go dig into a comic and want to talk about it, and then I make Greg talk about it with me, and, and that's literally what happens. This is this has been the ongoing nice. thing since we were kids, young young uh, young folks, yeah, hanging out after we got our hard earned 
moolahs together and, and bought our comics and, and nerded out in our younger days. And it's just an extension into our adulthood where we actually can form better sentences and an ex... Somewhat yeah, coherently. I know, it's weird, right? Instead of, that's rad. <laughs> that's cool. So what made you guys come to the network? Oh, um, well... The, the spoilers. We were, we were told there was going to be like lots of money to buy more comics. Yeah, 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 to- yeah. totally. Yeah, yeah it's, it's in the mail. I'll give you. I'll give you a. a you know, a cat a riding a pennies. bicycle, motorcycle. Damn it, motorcycle. Ah, <sighs> oh, there you go. Oh. I thought I was getting like unlimited access to the Silver Age DC library. Yeah, it's in the mail. It's in the mail. It's, it's in the mail. It's coming. <laughs> the whole the whole library is in the mail. I can <laughs> it might take I a while. understand we can do that for like ten ninety nine a month now or something like that. Is that that's doable. That is doable. <laughs> that's actually better than HBO uh, <laughs> um, HBO what Max, no? <laughs> what is that? HBO Max? I, I can't like get HBO it on my, on my on my on my Roku, man. No, because well, why old. do you have a Roku? <laughs> <laughs> I have a Roku. And maybe that's where Greg and I can. Yes. I mean, that's entirely possible. <laughs> on, on, the yeah. le- on the Roku on level. On the Roku level. <laughs> on, the Roku. on the planes of streaming, we met a exactly. town of Roku. That's where, that's where it all goes. <laughs> yeah, right I, think, I think the fun thing about what we do is I, I everybody thinks Greg is the one that gets super excited about everything. I'm actually yeah. the one that gets super excited about everything. Greg's actually the leveler, but Greg's also the entertainment. And the fun <laughs> thing about the excitement is I will just dig into a comic that we pick, research it, figure out what's what's in there, dig things out of it that people haven't been thinking about, talking about for a while. But then Greg, with all of his background in comics, can really bring to light what I'm saying. So I'm the fanboy doing the research, and you know, Greg is the artist that's bringing everything and tying it together. And I think that's what makes our conversations fun because that's always been sort of our interest, right? I love history, digging into things. I'm honestly a consumer of comics. I have way too many. It's true, he does. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, me too. And, and Greg really pulls everything together for us, which is nice. You know, sometimes I joke with him. It's about me reading the script I wrote to him and then Greg talking. But but in all honesty, sometimes when we're having our conversation and, and you give us that, that framework to work within, it's it, it kind of gives us something to, to really point to the listener the, the really good notes that we might skip over while we're reading through those books. And oftentimes I know I get drawn in by, by the art, by the coloring, whatever it is. And sometimes I miss certain things. And when you go back through and you dig into the history and you start pulling out different types of facts about things through, through the stories or uh, how the characters have been uh, pushed through the ages and stuff like that and point that out to me, I'm like, Oh wow, I want to dig into this. And, and I think that's really pushed us forward with a couple of the other episodes that we're planning in the future and i think that's what's gonna uh really get readers or listeners into uh frequent readers of of older books I, I love digging into the long boxes that you got dan i think one of the fun things about the first couple of podcasts that that you'll hear from us uh, the one today that you'll listen to we're talking about throwaway characters and what people can do with them and we'll get into a little bit of a Blue Beetle and Guy Gardner. And I think some of you might be saying out there in the Spoilerverse, you're saying Guy Gardner's a throwaway character. Well, if you dig into his history, he was. 
and then he got made into a permanent character. And so it's interesting how one writer will take a character, throw them away, and another writer will pick up that character and make them into something. And it's, it's one of the themes we explore in the first couple episodes. And it's a lot of fun digging into the history of those characters. That's cool. So what's this is what we're going to hear here in a minute. What oh, are we listening to? Fight of the Century. Yeah. So <laughs> the, the fight of the century between <laughs> Ted Cord and Guy Gardner with boxing gloves. Because we don't use superpowers in the blah ha ha era of the JLA. No, no, not at all. They settle it in the ring. <laughs> ding, ding. I don't even think there's a villain in this issue. Um, well, Guy Gardner. It, the the but, villain is, is yeah. Green Envy. <laughs> Envious of, of green envy. I don't know. Is that is it even is it even a thing? Green. Envy? I think I think the villains ourselves yeah. for digging into this this issue. But this is one of my. <laughs> I, this is something you know. Greg and I have been talking comics for a long time, and we got to talk about this book just like we did when it came out. Except we had a little bit more research and backing behind us uh, when we went into it this time, so we get it to look at it through you know whole new eyes. Right? I guess your eyes are different. Uh, when you are 18 compared to when you are, you know, yeah. some age that we are now, yeah. but yeah. the <laughs> a little bit, a, a little, little bit older. older. But one of the fun things is, is we go grab comics sometimes that, you know, we read in the past, sometimes comics that just spark an interest that we have. And then sometimes we'll dig into something just to figure out like where a character came from. Yeah. And so for the first couple uh, of these episodes, we got into this Blue Beetle Guy Gardner thing, and then we tracked down Guy Gardner, and we tracked down Blue Beetle and figure out where they came from. It, it would have been great if we could have brought That's over cool. the rest of the... I, I mean, we started out here for for your listeners on the Spoilerverse at 247 for, for us, for Dan and I, talking about comics, and it would have been great if we could have pulled over all the previous conversations but we've had, you know, issues and stuff like that. And it's just, it's just how life is because we've had so many great conversations about these comics and it's, it's, it's going to be, we'll, we'll just have to continue these conversations as we move forward. Ooh, what, well, what happened? Because uh, did you go by way of Johnny Carson and the big fire torched a lot of the I early mean, episodes? I'd say more like the library at Alexandria, yeah, maybe you know. like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> uh, I'm I, I'm a big Legion fan. It might have been Computo. Um, it's entirely possible. Entirely possible. It's entirely so, possible. Yeah. I think the big thing is to try to capture the conversations that we've had over time and, and just get them down for you for everybody. And I think we've every, a lot of people have had those conversations, but we want to make sure that we can celebrate the industry and all of the great work that's yeah. in it and want to make sure that's, you know, kept up for folks mm -hmm. and celebrate a lot of these yeah. great writers that, you know, you all celebrate on your shows. We're going to have a episode dedicated to our least favorite Marv Wolfman character, which you all just recently <laughs> interviewed him. And I think yeah. sometimes it's, you know, celebrating people's best work, but also celebrating something that didn't go so well can be a lot of fun. Because that might be somebody's story that they do like, and that's what's important. Wait. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I think it is, though. Yeah. I mean, a, a not every writer's story can hit with everyone, yeah. right? I mean... But it might be right. your favorite. Yeah. That's right. You might pull... it and And... and as we've as we've discussed in the podcast, that sometimes that's what drives somebody to want to create something new from something dead and bad, bad and dead. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Gross. because there's been some amazing creations, oh, yeah. right? Like the Spider Clone was amazing. Yeah. I know that was that's one of my favorites, and uh, you know, not 
what what was the list we had? Spider Man twenty ninety nine. I'm a big fan yeah, there yeah, too. Yeah. yeah, that's the, there's there's some amazing, terrible, great stuff out there. But there Atari is. Force is legit amazing. Totally. So we need more of that in the world. We do. Yeah, <laughs> more Atari. We Force. need more Atari Force in the world. That's clear, it's, it's especially in twenty twenty. Exactly. When you're going through these books and you're deciding what to to talk about, is it kind of funny? Do you ever? look at a book that you're like, oh my God, I love this. Yeah, I was 12 years old. I read this series so many times. And then you go back and you're researching, you're reading it again. You're like, what the yeah. heck was I thinking? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think this first book sort of represents a little bit of both of that, right? I mean, we like the book a lot, but we also, when you hear the show, you'll hear us talk about some of the inherent problems in the mm-hmm. book that don't necessarily yeah. stand up to now. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, it, sometimes you read something and it's problematic. I know that when you go back to it's you, you've got to think, you know, I'm a communication historian, right? Like you have to sort of think about where the comic was in its time, right? Guys, what are we hearing today? I, 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 can you give us a, a, a quick summary? I think you did, but let's reset it up. <laughs> we a got bit. off off track. Well, we we are going to talk a little bit about Blue Beetle. Blue Beetle. And, uh, oh man, I've Dan. Come on, Greg. Justice League America 52, written by J.M. DeMatteis and Keith Giffen. Keith Giffen plotted these books. DeMatteis scripted them. And we've got amazing pencils by original Black Lightning artist Trevor Von Eden. And so this is one of my favorite books as a kid. It has a Guy Gardner and Blue Beetle on the cover. It looks like one of the old fight posters. And they're advertising the bout of the century. And we dig into what happens in the book. And, and I think one of the neat things about these Justice League books, uh, again, we said there there was no villain. Yeah. The villain's them and their dysfunction, which is fun. Nice. Fighting themselves. Nice. Well, let's take a listen. Welcome to Funny Book Forensics with Dan and Greg, episode two forty seven. We'll just jump into uh, comics with the fight of the, the fight of the century. So, all right, fight of the month, man. That's fight uh, of the month. It's the it was fight of the month. That's yeah, what it well, ended up being. I believe it century. Uh, oh, did, did it, fight of the century year. Fight of the month. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. Like. I guess that's getting into our comic segment here. Uh, I mean, we, we talked a little bit about it and, you know, Dan and I have been, yeah, I mean, we've been friends for, for quite some time and a lot of it was bonding over the comics. And like I said, uh, Greg makes money on comics and I have a lot of them. So, but I mean, all joking aside, yeah, I, I think I wanted to take uh, actually no joking aside uh, in this week's uh, comic review. I, uh, <laughs> no I took jokes. Greg- I, I took all the jokes. Uh, I took Greg back to the uh, uh, the classic uh, Justice League slash Justice League America, uh, uh, written by uh, Keith Giffen and uh, J.M. DeMatteis. And yes. uh, they were a great pair. Uh, Giffen would plot and uh, DeMatteis would write. And if you, if you aren't aware of these two, uh, we can give you a tiny bit of backstory on both. Uh, mm-hmm. 
I'll bore Greg to death right now, but I loved Keith Giffen. Uh, Keith Giffen uh, drew my favorite comic still uh, growing up, a classic Legion of Superheroes comics from the 80s. Um, He also co-created Lobo and drew and helped plot the Omega Men back in the 80s. And and that's where he really got his start. But he's really done a a little bit of everything here and there uh, for both companies, including a little Marvel Cosmic, uh, including Mm -hmm. some stuff for Image early on. Yeah. And, and a lot of stuff for for DC. Um, yes. His art his art style went from uh, very traditional superhero art to very uh, it, think of of Dave Gibbons in Watchmen on steroids. Uh, a lot of dark lines and and bright colors uh, for the colorists that would 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 work over him. Uh, but his approach to storytelling has always been unique uh, because he is an artist. Uh, he will plot, and when he plots, he he literally does uh, thumbnail art for the entire story uh, to give the artist exactly what his vision is and uh, allows them to work off that vision. But also, then he works well with uh, works well with scripters and uh, J.M. Davidteus, uh, famous for scripting a lot of comics uh, mm-hmm. and and television as well. Uh, uh, I believe episodes of Lost. We may have to cut I, that part out, but I think episodes of Lost. I know Justice League, uh, the Justice League television show that he mm-hmm. did some Justice League Unlimited episodes, uh, as well as a lot of, of different comics and uh, classic. And and if you if you want some recent work from the two of them, uh, the Scooby Doo Apocalypse series was absolutely phenomenal. It was so good. Oh my gosh i I was blown away every issue. I am actually surprised that you read them. I don't think we've talked about that. I, I loved the I love the Scooby Doo Apocalypse series. Uh, and you know, because it's two two of my favorite writers like working together again. But yeah, it was it was. Uh, I I never thought I'd be reading a Scooby Doo comic. Right, uh, <laughs> it was so good. It was good. Uh, so we're taking you back. And uh, at that point, we'd, we'd moved away. Uh, uh, Trevor Von Eden was doing pencils on this book. And they're really great. Uh, I like how he draws the characters. And he really distinguishes them from each other. Each character in his art style is really distinguished. And you can always tell who's who. And that's one of the things I like about his art. Uh, throughout this book. And so, you know, kind of looking at our plot background, I don't know if I picked the best book. I remembered this as, uh, uh, when I was younger, as being enamored with this single episode or issue of a comic book. And uh, the cover is a classic. We'll post the cover up for you, but it's, yeah. uh, and I'll, I'll, we'll give you a link to uh, DC Universe. And you can also obviously get it on Comicsology and, and a number of other places. But the, uh, it's got a it's got a classic like fight look on the cover, right? They yeah, look like it's like, like a fight a poster. Fight yeah, it, it looks so good, and, and it's pretty absurd because it's it's Guy Gardner. Uh, if you're not aware, uh, Guy Gardner, uh, one, of. one of the Green Lanterns, and, and, yes. and uh, he he he's a classic. Uh, so Guy Gardner oh. was supposed to be the Green Lantern of Earth. Yeah. And uh, Hal Jordan ended up becoming the Green Lantern of Earth. And Guy Gardner sort of uh, gets bounced in in a little one-off story. 
in the 70s, in the hard traveling heroes era uh, of Green Lantern, Green Arrow. And Mm -hmm. uh, Guy Gardner was a a school gym teacher and he basically gets hit by a bus and he doesn't become the Green Lantern. And it ends up going to Hal Jordan. And Hal Jordan, uh, Guy Gardner was jealous of Hal Jordan after that. So eventually he, he gets to become the Green Lantern. Uh, but, uh, as you learn over time, something happened to his brain, uh, when he got hit by a bus. And so he's not the most <laughs> stable character, uh, in DC comics. No, not so much. He's a, he's a, he makes him interesting. And, makes- and, and our other, yeah, our other guy on the cover is the blue beetle. Um, so what's your, what's your relationship with the blue beetle as a character? Uh, my relationship with the blue beetle. Yeah. Uh, Blue Beetle is like besties with Booster Gold. That is true. Uh, The Blue and Gold team up. And uh, even through uh, a lot of iterations uh, recently, if you were reading the uh, uh, recently in DC Comics, uh, Booster Gold was uh, even talking to a dead Blue Beetle. (laughs) It's interesting. Uh, You know, that's how close they were friends were. And Blue Beetle is an interesting character. Uh, Blue Beetle, uh, the original uh, Dan Garrett, Blue Beetle was a Golden Age character in Fox Syndicate comics. And Blue Beetle was part of the Charlton uh, relaunch in the 60s. Uh, Charlton was known for its characters and had Steve Ditko, uh, the original Spider-Man artist. The Charlton got Ditko to come over and draw a bunch of Mm. books. Uh, among a lot of other uh, great artists. And Blue Beetle was out of this Charlton Hero group. And the Charlton Hero group, of course, is known for Watchmen. Uh, the Watchmen characters were analogs of the Charlton characters. Uh-huh. Uh, so if you want to dig a little bit of research. Uh, but yeah, Blue Beetle, um, let me let me tell you if this guy sounds like a cross between two superheroes. So he dresses up in a costume like a bug. Uh-huh. But he has a bunch of gadgets, and he's super rich, and he owns an invented uh, a company that invents a bunch of things. What did, did, does he sound like? Any combination of heroes that maybe Steve Ditko drew one of? Maybe like a uh, he's a bug, but he's, he's bug. also but he's also a gadget guy who's right. really rich. And he has like a, a beetle bug craft that he flies around. Um, uh, interesting. I mean, could be almost anyone. He could be almost anyone. It could be. And it's interestingly just, enough, one of those guys shows up in this book. So this, uh, is, we, this is driving me batty. Driving you. <laughs> so, and, and I will have to think about it. And this comic, we're just going to warn you, we won't go page by page, but uh, <laughs> let, let's just say maybe this book doesn't hold up to the social norms of 2020 as much as it held up to the social norms of, of 1991. So if, if you go back and read it, please read it in the 1991 lens, please. And 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 don't hold me accountable for everything that uh, Giffen and Demetrius write in this book. It uh, it definitely. I, I had I had some chortles of like what a what the the young me would have found humorous, but the the now more um, I'd say rounded me would be like, oh whoa, you can't you can't make fun of that, you can't do that, you shouldn't say that. 
you say rounded? <laughs> I did. Like, with like thought. The pages of the comic book. Oh, it's not, that was not, I was trying not to be punny about that, you know. Yeah, it's it's interesting because the book sort of starts out and uh, over time, uh, Blue Beetle's in the book and you know he's an industrialist and he's sort of playing superhero. And, and a lot of time in the book, he's sort of, uh, they sort of push him to the side, so to speak, like he's a joke. Because yeah. uh, he's like the, and if you, you go back, you had a Maxwell Lord who uh, basically owned the Justice League. He funded them. And you had Blue Beetle, this rich industrialist that just wanted to play superhero. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I, we could we see this currently. I mean, no, I mean. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Like a rich industrialist <laughs> that wants to play like something in society. Uh, yeah. And I think, you know, and it's funny because the rich industrialist with orange hair that plays in society tells us that he's in perfect health. And, and back to the blue beetle. <laughs> and the beetle, who also has red hair, uh, you open the first page, and he all of a sudden, after months of squeezing into his super suit, uh, his belly is now sticking out of his super suit. Yes. <laughs> and he, <laughs> for the first time ever, uh, he literally can't fit into his suit anymore to play superhero. No. And this is He's really a- distressing. For both him and the suit. Right. It's, it's, it's a lot of stretchy suit. And he sort of goes into a midlife crisis uh, mode immediately. Yeah. And some really interesting things about this book. So they wrote it as if the, the team was, was super dysfunctional. So we can set up some characters for you really quickly. You had uh, the Martian Manhunter, who many yep. of you have heard. And he's sort of the straight man for the team. Uh, he's their leader and and he's the one that's just walking around pointing out to the reader constantly that, that this team is, is, is a joke. It's got problems like, like any family. Right. And and they, and and the funny thing is there are no super villains in this entire issue. Uh, The villain is is themselves. The villain is themselves. (laughs) Their, their dysfunction. And the, some of the other characters that, that show up in this book, uh, of course, I mentioned Guy Gardner. Now you have Guy Gardner's idol, whose name is General Glory. Uh, General Glory was a made-up character just for this book, and you find out General Glory later on is this super old man uh, who can say a word, and he becomes General Glory. Sounds he's kind of like a cross between uh, Shazam and Captain America. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's fair. Guy Gardner cuts his hair uh, to look like, if you remember <laughs> from Captain America, Guy Gardner cuts yeah. his hair to look like. General Glory's sidekick, Ernie, uh, who he used to pal around with. And so he just idolizes General Glory. And he, he General Glory is like the only person that can keep Guy Gardner in line. Uh, it, pretty much. He just idolizes him. Uh, you have Fire and Ice, uh, who used to be part of the Super Friends Global Guardians uh, back in the 70s. They redid them. And Fire is pretty much, uh, well, she comes back in after drinking all night. And uh, and uh, you've got Ice, who went out with her and is struggling to hang on to that lifestyle, but they're best friends. And it's, it's just what best friends do. <laughs> it's just what best friends do. And then yeah. uh, you have Kilowog, who was a former Green Lantern, who is an alien. And uh, during the whole book, uh, he's dealing with an alien sedition act, sort of. 
before he's being asked to leave and go back home uh, by the federal government. Oh, man. And yeah, it's. It, I mean, they do it in a funny way, but it's really dark, yeah. you know, and, and again, you know, looking at how this fits now, it's was funny then because it was something of the past then. So you're reading it and you're like, oh, this is what governments used to do. Yeah. It's what they used to do. And, and now it's not as funny. No, it's... Mm, <laughs> right. It's, uh, yeah. It's too and, real. Uh, well, as our, as our story plays out here, um, they uh, Blue Beetle decides he wants to get in shape. He goes to train with uh, General Glory and, of course, Guy Gardner's there. Guy Gardner calls him a fatty and he, it's traumatizing no, he, because uh, he calls him the lard yeah. belly. He, he says, he, oh man, what's the best? He, he calls him something really good. I gotta get it. You're physically lard fat. Belly, he says, you're physically, physically fat. He, and uh, yeah. was called that when he was a kid and he, he discloses that he didn't start training until he became a rich industrialist in his 20s. So he when he wanted to be a superhero, right? So he, yeah, yeah. he's very traumatized by this. There's a lot of, of tra- childhood trauma going off. Uh, so they decide to have a boxing match, of course. Because and, that's uh, what, that's what, what two, I, two adult men do when they want to settle right. their, their differences. Right, from, uh, from the 40s tells them to have a yeah. boxing match, right? He's like, hey, yeah. What do do? yeah. Uh, and and so, of course, who shows up right as they're about to have their boxing match to show up and, and, and check in on the Justice League? Could it be uh, a man dressed as a bat? Yeah. <laughs> and so now you have a, a Batman just showing up and he's just like, what is going on? Uh, everything is crazy. <laughs> Why are you guys fighting? <laughs> And and as it goes, uh, everybody's cheering for Blue Beetle in the boxing match, and he uh, knocks down Guy Gardner. He bloodies him up, and he turns to the corner, and, and Guy Gardner jumps in from behind because he's <clears throat> a pretty terrible guy. And terrible. and this is where the and this is where the comic starts to get dark, and, th- and this it, is one of the interesting things about this era. Yeah, it it goes it goes from like kind of like uh, lighthearted kind of poking fun, like they're gonna have a boxing match, you're gonna like rough it, they're gonna mix it up a bit and everything like that. They're gonna walk away as good buddies and stuff. It's a little, it's gonna have that kind of feel to. Oh, it just got yeah, real. It, it gets <laughs> real dark, and it's interesting. There, these are marked as uh, twelve years old plus on the the DT app, and, and maybe even should be a little bit older, but it makes yeah. sense for teen plus. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, Guy Gardner jumps Blue Beetle from behind, uh, beats him up. His on again, off again uh, girlfriend Ice goes to try to comfort him. He screams at her and is abusive. He gets told off by her best friend. He doesn't hit her or anything, but he's he's screaming at her. The ice comes or fire comes and tells him to you know never speak to them again. He's told to leave. Uh, the Justice League, and, and and you think that's the end of the story. Uh, he's sitting in a room by himself, and he just says, damn, like he ruined his life, because he did. Um, so at least there are consequences the- feasibly, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he's told, like, once everything kind of, like, uh, like they'll they'll get it sorted out when Max gets there, and, and, and you know, things are going to, things are going to change. You know, he's got, he's got, obviously now, he's, he's made his bed, he's got a lie in it, right? Right. And, and 
and, and, and the good news, at least if you're reading this from a past perspective, um, if even if some of the things in the book are offensive now, I think at least there are consequences for the character action, right? Um, right. It's and that that was one thing that was pretty consistent throughout this era of even it's called the blah ha ha Justice League because Blue Beetle and Booster Gold are always blah ha ha and laughing. But yeah, I mean, it, this and they're about to get serious and there's about to be a really dark turn in the book. Uh, we're about to get the, to the last few issues of the Giffen and DeMatteis run mm-hmm. uh, right after this story. And you flip the page and you see there's two more pages. You see Maxwell Lord. Uh, he's about to introduce his, his fiance to the team uh, for the first time. And he gets shot. <laughs> and that's how you end the book. I was like, oh my gosh, it's that, that's the end. I forgot. And yeah, and I, I, it surprises me too. And then that's where it set out. And, you know, it was one of the real strengths of these comics is uh, Giffen and DeMatteis took these characters that were sort of throwaways uh, by everybody else. Everybody had thrown them away. So Blue Beetle had been a thrown away Charlton character and then uh, had a failed series in the, in the eighties. Mm-hmm. And ends up in this book, uh, Booster Gold, same, uh, yeah. was produced by Dan Jurgens in the 80s, was thrown away. Uh, Guy Gardner had been sort of the substitute Green Lantern, but uh, they brought Hal Jordan, or they're bringing Hal Jordan back. And so they didn't really need his character. Fire and Ice were from the Super Friends, for crying out loud, from the Global Guardians. Uh, and, and then the Martian Manhunter, who is which was at least until what about five years ago, one of the most consistent members of the justice league, like yeah. he's the one consistent character. And then this made up general glory character, which, which was a lot of fun. Um, he's very controversial. A lot of people don't like him, uh, but I always found him to be sort of entertaining, especially when you find out his origin. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting how, from a scripting standpoint, they can really take all these characters that nobody cared about. And for a while, this was one of their best-selling books. I like the way that they, they brought all the, all, I would say the, the, the random characters and and give them, uh, some sort of actual, uh, meat to their, to their story, you know, and gave them something that people could, they could thoroughly enjoy reading and give uh, like depth to their characters and, and, and built up this whole entire uh, storyline through this arc that these, these books are. It's, you know, it was really, yeah. And it was really interesting. I remember when, when they ended their run and, and I think Dan Jurgens took over the book and I, I was really uh, frustrated as a reader. I think I, I stopped buying the book because it went from being this, uh, interplay of characters to this just generic superhero book yeah and like i just when you when you read through these things and you see these like these characters like are, are built up in this in this manner and you're like oh wow you know they're just they're you you never got their stories before but you saw them in in as like these like you know background characters and stuff i, I always find that sometimes when you get that that background character that gets to gets to get that limelight get that moment and uh, you're like, oh, wow, that's cool. Because I don't know about you. I'm pretty sure you still have. I, I know. I know for a fact you probably do. You still have you still have your your annuals and stuff like that from back in the day that you picked up off the old yep. spinner racks and stuff. And and you read through them and, and you would like study them. And you're like, oh, when, when is that character going to come back into a book? 
you know, yeah. and you always look through and you like wonder when, when is this person going to make an appearance again? And then this is one of those, this is one of those story arcs where you get that type of thing and you finally get everyone that you've, you've been waiting for, if you will. And, you know, it's kind of cool. One, it was, uh, it was interesting. I don't want to get too far into the history of DC at the time, uh, for just for the time of this podcast, but yeah. The, uh, Keith Giffen had been writing uh, Legion of Superheroes book at the time and had been really hamstrung by the history of the Legion and the Superman editorial office uh, limiting what they could do mm-hmm. uh, with the book. And I think one of the reasons, too, from a writer's perspective that they had so much fun with these characters is because they were uh, characters that didn't have this huge backstory. Yeah. And so they could create their universe, right, and create their personality. Mm-hmm. And and take little snippets from the past and really play with it. So it, it gave them a lot of freedom um, as writers to build up these characters and make them interesting uh, to the reader. Uh, so, I mean, maybe not this issue, if you're going to pull it out as a single issue uh, to read it. But I, I mean, I, I do recommend going back and taking a look at some of these books, especially if you're interested in scripting. Yeah. Uh, characters and 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 building stories where you're building in internal tension and conflict. Definitely, one of the things that I can tell you from my read through on this and what I forgot so much uh, about what I loved about these stories and why I think um, I do what I do, uh, but what these gave the foundation of is is telling and and and, it, and I talk a lot about this in uh, in in narrative gunslingers, but is that like this this type of story arc in this type of book uh you can see it in this book it's a it's 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 definitely character driven story um because of the the richness of the characters although it's kind of goofy in a sense but you you get to you get to see that depth but then there's also the the definite um pull through of everything and if you're reading from beginning to end of this whole entire story arc you get the whole narrative of everything so um it's the the story is completely there and it it is a great a great way to show that uh the way that that characters interact um either sometimes in a positive manner when there's the 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 people on the sidelines during the fight um providing support or or just in the the animosity that that you see uh, and how they're dealing with it uh, between Gardner and, and Blue Beetle, and you know how they're you know it's it's definitely it's 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 very interesting to see uh, how how people that should be working together sometimes can can also be not the best people <laughs> to each other, and we see that in our daily lives, right? Right. Yeah, <laughs> and I think too, like. Uh, credit to obviously the writing like this the Demetrius scripting is is phenomenal in the book uh but also i gotta give a lot of credit to uh giffen's plotting and trevor von eden's art i know i mentioned at the beginning but giffen's layout of the panels yeah uh, and then the way von eden delivers the art through those panels tells the story and adds to that narrative that that greg is talking about because the panels really move the story and you don't always get that in a comic there aren't a lot of splash pages in these books no Uh, and when there is a splash page it has a lot of meaning um the one big splash splash page is guy gardner walking away from the entire team as he's exiled 
and he's shaded and everybody else is colored and bright and he's mm-hmm. just shadow. And it really illustrates him being excised from the group. Right. And as it's, I don't have page numbers in mind. I don't know if you have a page number pulled up I'm on um, that app right now, but it's uh, uh, 17 is the page you're talking about. And it is, it's, it's lush with just, you look at it and there's a story within this story being told by the way that it's, it's drawn uh, with the texture that's there um, based on that, that shading uh, with the light that's being used to draw the rest of the characters in on that. Um, and even in the inset panels in which you've got uh, you've got the the other characters having their their conversation, uh, you know, you've you've got uh, them discussing, you know, like, don't go after him. And, you know, Ice is like, guy, wait. And it's, you, you can see the pain in her face because she, you know, it's that's she just she just watched this 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 terrible thing happen. And, you know, that's her friend. And she sees the end, right? Like yeah. good, bad, or indifferent, she can see the end. Yeah. And you you could look at this page and it could have no text on the page. Oh yeah. You could you could tell the story. And, and yeah. that's how well uh Giffen's layouts and, and Vaudine's art uh delivered uh the story. So yeah, um interesting again, uh classic read from the long box. And the fun thing about these issues is is even though uh, the early issues were expensive back in the day. Uh, they haven't held up from a price point because uh, they were 90s comics. So uh, you can pick these up out of a dollar bin sometimes. So Totally. Uh, I, great I was story. just going to say, my, I, I really like that the page, the, the um, uh, what is it, page 21, in which you got Guy Gardner looking at the door, the shadowing of him yep. in the door, and then the way that those panels are cut at an angle it's it, it's such a painful panel um, that for, I, I guess for me and my OCD, uh, the way that yep. it's cut, it it causes distress in my brain to look at it. Right. But it's so beautiful. I can't not look at it. And I want to yell at it because I want to yell at him for what he's done. But he knows what he's done. Right. And they've, they've executed it so well. And I'm like, ah, this is this is what I love this is what I loved as a kid to read. And as an adult, I can go back and still enjoy it. (laughs) Well, and you know, you, you, I think the angles too, it's like the angles are cutting him out of the story. Right. Definitely. It's, it's it's the way it's almost like you're taking a pair of scissors and cutting out the page, uh, the way they have it drawn. Um, Yeah. yeah, It's, 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 it's good storytelling. And I, I think too, um, it's one of those scenarios where, uh, you can almost feel bad for him mm-hmm. even though you don't and you're taught not to feel bad for him, but you saw him almost getting better, right? He had his friend, he, he tried to be better and he just failed at it. And, yeah. uh, but he's also an abusive ass. And so he's, he's cut out right uh, uh, of the story, at least for this story here. And, yeah. uh, and it, and it really builds into, I think, the next scene isn't as shocking if you don't have that, because it's like, they tell you we're going to take care of this when Max comes back. And then Max is looking pretty dead on the ground. Yeah. 
I mean, not to spoil anything for, for everybody on a, on a, on a 20 plus year old comic, uh, <laughs> but he got better. <laughs> um, the, uh, I would, I would say the other thing too, is like the use of sound effects. Oh my gosh, dude. I love how they just like some of the sound effects, the, 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 the words that they use to describe the sounds in this book are just, Oh, good. Crunk. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah slam yeah and and they're describing it yeah and it's 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 a fun book um it it, in parts and then it's a it's a really disturbing book in others but yeah um there was some criticism here too i know when uh, uh historically uh some of the criticism out of this book is this is a book that they used uh that dc and uh external forces at the time in the 90s uh, you may have heard of like the PTC um, who were parodied on wrestling uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, a few other groups. Uh, they use, they criticize this book and, and, and one of the criticisms too, way back before you had CBR uh, criticizing everything uh, was that, you know, now the justice league isn't about superheroes anymore. It's about a guy who got fat and couldn't fit into his suit. Yeah. And, and that's one of the reasons I picked this book out too, because it, it, it did. I remembered it. I remember the first time I read that criticism, I was like, what are they talking about? That was one of my favorite comics. Yeah. Um, and, and they uh, were criticizing it. And it was almost one of those scenarios where it was clear that that person had never read the story. They didn't they, understand the context of how someone could get or why, why they, yeah. Why they're using this as a moment. Right. Or why that was important. Right. Like why a simple thing like that could could drive the story. Right. And how they summarized. um, I love how they can summarize that story literally on the first page, first Mm -hmm. and second page, where uh, today that story would have built up over like 100 issues. Right. (laughs) Would have been slowly gaining weight over 100 issues and 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 suddenly uh you know, and and they do uh, they do have some reference to it in the comics, but it, it they don't need uh, to explain it. And there's so much depth of text here. If you do go back and read some of these books, you actually do have to sit down and read it. Uh, you can't thumb through it in five minutes and just look at the art. Oh yeah, no, you have to. It's it it is dense with language, and it is a, a, a nice little piece of literature. So give yourself. Uh, a good, a good 30 minutes to enjoy the words and the, and the pictures and, uh, and have a, have a fun time reading it. You got time right now. Do it. Yeah. And you know what well, we're going to be picking. We, we do this every week with comics, but yeah, uh, if you have something you want us to pull from the long box and, and take a look at, uh, make a suggestion, uh, on our website, uh, last dash podcast.com, uh, tell the admin, or you can, like I said, we said, hit us up on Facebook and, and Twitter uh, and Twitter and make a suggestion there at last ass podcast on Facebook or at last podcast two on last dash podcast. So yeah. Uh, with that, uh, well, Greg, uh, with that, uh, with that, I, I think it's wild card time. Wild yeah. card. Well, it, and I think it's a good transition. We're talking about oh. some great art and yeah. uh, what's going on over at, at diamond comics right now. Uh, you know, this week has been a very weird week uh, in the world um, in uh, in a lot of different stuff uh, with 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 comic shops. Uh, it, we'll, we'll just say we'll, we'll back it up a minute. Um, 
because uh, if you live in the Pacific Northwest, uh, this was to be uh, the month of the convention kickoff, if you will. Emerald City Comic Con uh, was going to was going to happen earlier this month, um, and uh, for for many of us in the Pacific Northwest, this was to begin to be the beginning uh, of our of our Comic Con season uh, here, and uh, with the the COVID nineteen uh, virus outbreak, uh, and social distancing, which we talked about earlier in the show. Uh, it, it definitely was a socially responsible decision, uh, by, by read pop and by the, the state to, uh, say, Hey, let's not do that. But it also changed the landscape, if you will, for, uh, comics, uh, creators, publishers, artists, uh, anyone involved in the convention circuit and stuff like that by, 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 by putting that on hold and changing the date to later in the year, uh, causing kind of a domino effect or ripple effect, uh, throughout the comics industry, uh, by having multiple conventions and other things changing how they were going to do things throughout the rest of the season. Uh, with that, we saw a lot of comic creators and artists, and, and people that do things at conventions going to an online type situation and other things and not being able to go out to their local stores. And with that, we also saw another ripple in which a major distributor diamond uh, distribution that delivers comics from publishers to comic book stores and other bookstores, uh, saying that they would no longer take stock from publishers and right. bring them uh, to stores. Not, not just a major distributor, right? The, the only, the, dis, the only, uh, currently, uh, the only distributor, uh, for major comic releases from every major publisher. Right. I mean, uh, when I fill out my order each month, it's based off the diamond catalog, right? It is. Yes. My local comic shop, right? Like that's it. I mean, that's where he tells me to go. Yes. Um, it's it, not like there are options here. No, and it's true. It's true. I mean, unless you're, if you want to get anything from your local comic shop, you are going, you're basically pulling off of whatever diamond pull list is. And, and it's, and, and right now this week, we're at a point where diamond is no longer in operation. They've ceased uh, to, to push product uh, from their warehouse floor or from, from, from creator or from, <laughs> from publishers, to yeah. to comic shops and it and it's definitely caused a ripple effect um, back through to publishers, creators, artists, and, and the likes and comic shops because there's a lot of comic shops that are still operating on a either pickup or or send out uh, with whatever yep. they have in store uh, if they can get product from creators and artists. And mine are getting sent out uh, today. I mean, the last mm-hmm. now I can't order any more, uh, yeah. but. The uh, I know I'm I'm actually filling out an order tonight for stuff that can't get ordered because uh, my store shop owner asked uh, me to go ahead and do my pull list anyway. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, uh, I know he's sending out my books uh, today, actually. And yeah. he's, uh, but you know, the, these shop owners are just like anybody else, right? Like he's yeah. in his store and he can't open, but he can uh, help us out and, and help us get our books. And yeah, it's it's. Uh, you know, it's like everything else. It's, it's awful. And I guess too, I mean, from an art perspective, right. I mean, we we're hearing all about the concerts being canceled and the theater 
being canceled and and the parks being closed and and things like that and, and movies being sports, rescheduled for uh, sports sports yeah but you're not hearing about the impact this is having on on other forms of art like uh mm-hmm. these very visual forms of art and, and why and, do you think we're not hearing as much about that uh, you know, I think that uh, some of it is just because uh, I think a lot of times we we hear about what what I'm going to say mainstream media might be um, putting out there for us to to digest, but also too I, I think a lot of times uh, a lot of the public, the general public, uh, might not be as aware of this type of thing uh, because it uh, pop culture as this is uh, either with comic books or with the, the artists that create said comic books uh, either uh, from the writing perspective or the, the art perspective, uh, they might not be in the public eye in that sense, right? You, you know what the product is, you know, that the, the comic book is the, the Genesis that brings forth the movie or the TV show that you enjoy, but you don't know sometimes who, who writes it or who, who draws it. Uh, right. You might not have the depth of knowledge of that. Uh, but right now we're seeing a lot of these these creators um, and creators in a tough spot. Uh, a lot a lot of people currently right now are in a work from home situation. And maybe some of these creators are, are in a work from home situation. But you also see a lot of these creators that are banking on the fact that they would be going to these conventions or, or having their books uh, being published and pushed out to stores and retailers. And if that's not happening, uh they're not getting anything in for their uh, for their expenses that are coming down the the, <laughs> down right, the pipe right. later. So it's uh-huh. definitely it's it's definitely a, a, a weird a weird time we're in in a very strange uh, uh, cycle uh, that we that you wouldn't expect to be on, if you will, uh, because we don't know we don't we don't know when. <laughs> well, I mean, and, it's. Uh, it really is reflective of the gig economy right now too, right? I mean, people keep talking about the gig economy, the gig economy, the gig economy, but before we had the term gig economy, I mean, obviously comic artists and writers and letterers back in the day, which God, I loved comic lettering, but I don't even want to get into that. But the, (laughs) uh, you know, you could work for a company, but a lot of folks were freelancers and and for a long time and, and still are. And, uh, the you know the gig economy has been around in the arts forever before there was a term called gig economy I mean, where did exactly. you think they got it from it was from people doing a gig right a gig yeah um, you're picking up a gig and you're doing it here and you're doing it there and you're doing it everywhere <laughs> so you know that notion of uh, we're thinking about folks in this this quote-unquote gig economy and you know i think there are some ways to help help these folks out i mean i mm-hmm. i think you know we're, we're people are talking hey order takeout so you can save your favorite restaurant well I mean, food's great and all, and I'm not saying don't do that, but, you know, what a great time to uh, to hit Kickstarter and look for things your favorite artist or writer are doing on their own mm-hmm. and supporting their projects so they can publish it and send it straight to you. Or or even, you know, going to, I actually was interacting, um, uh, one of uh, the artists that's that also loves Legion and it, it named Greg Fox, he's done online books for a long time. Um, when he couldn't necessarily get work with the, with the big two or big mm-hmm. three. And, yeah. uh, uh, he writes and draws his own book and he draws all sorts of Legion characters all the time. And I, I just asked him, I said, this is a good time to, to ask about uh, having you commission one. Uh, cause he drawn something I liked and, and I was like, Oh, this is cool. Are you selling that? And he's like, not selling that one, but you know, 
I can work on some other stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, what a great time to reach out or, or even better. I know you're working on, uh, I, I don't want to just hit all your projects today. No. You're, you're using this time, uh, you're working from home, but you're using this time to collaborate with others on a, a lot of different projects. Yeah. And, and that's that, I mean, just to peel back the veil a little bit, I mean, why I, why, why is Greg, why is Greg so invested in, in what's going on in diamond comics and, and other things and, and everything? Well, I, part of, part of what I do, uh, when I'm not working, uh, on other, on other things, I, I do work in comics. I, I write, um, I work on, uh, various different projects, but, uh, I, I did feel the pinch when, uh, I got back from C2E2 in Chicago. I was super excited about, Emerald city happening and and the kickoff for everything and, 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 and being able to, uh, promote a Kickstarter that, uh, uh, Brett Waldelli and Travis Webb and I were going to do, uh, that was coming out this month, happening to be the worst time to drop a Kickstarter into this hot hellfire that we're in. Uh, but, but we did it anyways, because we had no choice. We'd already hit the button for submit and they'd already given us a date. So we had no there's no way to back out of something like that. Right. It's just what you do. Your, your foot's already on the gas pedal. You're going over the cliff if you want to or not. So, I mean, we film and Louise did and we're going full forward. Um, but point being is this isn't really as much as like what Travis and I are, are hoping to get anything out of, but for, for an artist like Brett, this is, this is his gig. This is, this is what, he is doing to be able to make the rent. This is what he is doing to be able to put the food in his fridge. And that's the same for every other creator out there that, that, that lives for this type of thing. Right. So uh, if, if Starlight gets funded uh, at at the end of the month, uh, Brett gets to pay his rent. Brett gets to eat. Brett gets to live life like everyone else. Uh, If not, then, you know, it's going to be a a very different landscape for him. Uh, Same with other creators and artists that were banking on Emerald City Comic Con and other things like that. Uh, Talking to different creators out there that have uh, Patreons and other stuff. Uh, They were banking on the event so that they could pay for all the prints that they had already purchased or the ink that they were buying so that they could do commissions and other stuff like that. So when when uh, the COVID-19 outbreak happened and we are stuck in our homes, sheltering in place all across the nation, you have a lot of artists that are open for commission and they're doing at very low prices right now in some, in some situations because, well, they want to try to get you art and they want to try to get as much art out as possible. And they know that one, you're probably concerned about buying toilet paper or, um, or hand sanitizer if you can find it. Jokes aside, you need to, you're also concerned about buying all the other things that you need, but also they know that you want to be able to support them as much as they want. Yeah. And, and, for- <laughs> and as I say, and reach out, you know, don't be, this isn't the time to be shy and, and be starstruck. You know, I think one yeah. of my, I, because I actually have a, a few comics um, and just a few. Uh, Just a few. A couple. One of my my favorite. It's really stink. They've rescheduled Emerald City to August, and they've taken away Thursday. Uh, it's just going to be a Friday, Saturday, Sunday show. And my favorite day of of the con is Thursday. Uh, it's less crowded, and I go to the artist floor, and I, I literally just talk with writers and artists, uh, you know, for half a day. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and it's enjoyable and fun. And, and you remember these folks are humans. Uh, they, yeah. they enjoy talking to you. 
um, yeah, I've gone up starstruck to a couple of, of famous artists before and, and, and fell all over myself. Like, and I keep telling you, Jose Dan, Luis no Garcia Lopez, <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, for the most part, um, you know, I've talked to, to people from the seventies, eighties, like Mike Grell and just had nice conversations with them. Uh, and all the way just folks now, you know, just, just hang out the show and, and they're happy to do that. And, and so they're feeling as isolated as you are, you know, reach yeah. out, uh, ask them if they're interested in doing a commission. I mean, the worst they can say is no. And yeah. at, at the mid range, you get a nice conversation and at the best you uh, take home a, a really neat piece of art and, and find out a little bit more about the person. So yeah, I, I make sure, you know, you, you're working with these folks and, and, and helping them out. Yeah. One of the things that's really great too, is we live in a digital age and uh, a lot of us that are doing Kickstarters or even in commissions and stuff like that. I mean, being able to send stuff right now is, is kind of, kind of up in the air as, uh, as, as it is, uh, but we can send you digital things. And that's one of the things that I'm seeing a lot of, uh, fellow Kickstarter, uh, folks doing out there right now is we're, we're trying to push that digital package and making sure that our digital packages are very, uh, robust. If you will, you're getting good stuff for what your what, what your what your backing, uh, amount is you're getting good stuff out of that. And we're seeing that with people that are doing commissions and stuff. If you're, if you're, if you're getting uh, a commission and it's going to be a digital commission, uh, you know, they're giving you like, like, it's not just a, a quick, uh, a quick show sketch that they're, you know, they only have a limited amount of time. They're taking the time. They're, they're putting some color in there. They're doing some really nice stuff and, and, and they're able to do a lot of really cool things to that. So you're uh, go out and take a look. Like Dan said, have a conversation with some people, find out who's doing those things, find them on Twitter, find them on Instagram, find them on Facebook. Social media is a fantastic place. Uh, to, to find your your creators that you that you've always followed or that you've always enjoyed their art or their creativity and you've never thought that you could have that venue to do it or that time to do it and this is a great time to do it right find them absolutely um so yeah and and greg thanks for all you do too i mean ah. uh you're, I, you, I, you always say that, but I mean, I take uh, great joy out of reading Greg's books and, and can't wait till the, the next one comes out. Next Junior Braves, he won't even give me the scripts. I, I, I uh, can't. I'm uh, locked down by, by contract yeah. to not give out the script. Or I, I like I can the closest thing I can do is when uh, the, the tabletop RPG comes out in a few months is to I'll let you uh, we'll, we'll have a playtest day. And, uh, I'll let you and Paul and, uh, and, uh, Palmer and the kids and stuff like that. We'll all sit down and play. <laughs> yeah. But the, uh, yep. And and then you can tell us the whole next story. You can just recite it from memory, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> what, uh, yeah. And, and with that said, uh, Hey everyone, thanks for, thanks for hanging out with us for a bit. And, uh, next week, uh, Greg, what are you thinking? Oh, I'm thinking uh, more of the same, a podcast about stuff. We're going to talk about current events, comics, politics, and uh, a wild card of some sort. Yep, and we will uh, post some teasers about some of the next comics. And like we said, if there's a comic you want us to review or something like that, uh, again, hit us up on, on one of those multiple platforms that we mentioned. Yes, please. Excellent. Well, thanks so much, Greg, for hanging out and chatting. Uh, I feel like we've done this for a long time. I think we have done it for a long time. It's almost as if we've done it for a few decades. 
<laughs> a few. So just a, just a few. That's gonna that's gonna put a wrap on uh, episode two forty seven. But uh, so yeah. we're signing off. I'm Dan. I'm Greg. Thanks everybody. See you next time. You want me to do the intro now? Yeah, go ahead. In a world where podcast never ends. Nope. That, that, nope, nope. God, I suck. See, I'm just an impromptu speaker. That's all there is to it. All right, we're going to pause right. for five seconds. <laughs> that was that was a great wrap-up. Thank you for checking out Funny Book Forensics with Dan and Greg on the Spoilerverse. Find us at Funny Book Forensics. Facebook.com or Funny Book Forensics on the Spoilerverse. If you like what you heard, please rate and review us. Tell us what you think. Heck, if you have an idea for us to review, let us know in the comments. Alright, and we're back! We're back! That's how, that's how we come yeah. back. It's all super car salesman. That yeah, scared me. I don't, yeah. We don't know where it Dude. came from. We don't even. We don't even know who did it first. I think it was Johnny going. Hey, we're Dude, back. Yeah, are you going to make all of us do that for all the like? So did Dan and I have to do that when we come? Yeah, that, that's now a network requirement. Is, you was that the thing you like made that. a yeah. sign? Sorry, yeah. The, the, yeah. Uh, it was. It was. Oh. Yeah. yeah, that's part of the NDA and oh, part of the no, non-compete. Wait a minute, but I'm already mm-hmm. on other shows on the spoilerverse. Do I am I competing with myself yeah. for other shows? <laughs> you are. You are. So you're in violation. So you have to quit all your other Fudge shows. Crackers. Sorry. This, is, this is not good. I can only do like bad Southern accents and like, can we do wrestling, wrestling voices? Yeah, go ahead, Greg. You can, you can, you can start. Yeah. There. I, I, oh man, I, I'm on the spot. I can't. I don't know if I'm up to it yet this morning. He doesn't Let's know see. if he can do it. Can't, you can get that. I'm trying. I'm really trying, Dan. <laughs> Ooh. I don't know if I can get there. The Macho Man, you know, he, he's not going to get my duck tail. You know that 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 Macho Man can never get my my girl, Sister Sherry. Uh, actually, she wants Sister Sherry. Sister That's okay. Sherry. That's right. You know, the honky tonk man is he's right here to stay. It's not going to happen right here. I'm the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. You can't hold a candle to me. I don't know what just happened, but I love it. <laughs> Come on down to the retro emporium. You can hear this happen right in the middle of the store when it's not COVID-19. <laughs> All right, guys. I expect you to do a wrestling comic and do the whole thing like that. Oh, wow. If uh, oh is, my there, God. is there a Honky Tonk Man wrestling comic? Because I would. I'm, there's got to be. I, I there's got to be. I would do that. There's got to be at least one out yeah, there. Yeah, I mean. Uh, yeah. I think I, I've got to find pull it. pull the muscle. If somebody can find that, you a big... It. Were you guys big wrestling fans back in the day? Oh, yeah. Al. Um, or, Al. or are you still? I'm on, a, I'm on a wrestling hiatus for the last about year yeah. and a half. I just, it got so bad. I only, just stopped. Only the indie stuff. Only Did the it? indie stuff right now. Well, yeah. You know, it's funny because I, when I took my hiatus, they started uh, AEW, yeah. which I've seen a couple episodes of, and it's, it's quite good. But I, it had just gotten so bad it was i mean you ask if we were i was a wrestling fan like i was like wrestling fan like listening to two or three wrestling podcasts a week and reading the wrestling observer and in my job my former life as a college professor i people make fun of me but i would study wrestling for its like uh communication effects the storylines uh 
Right. Well, it just the whole idea that that they've got to be fake, right? Like, I, I mean, I know it's not fake, but it's it's like an athletic dance, right? <laughs> and right. they've got to convince people that know it's fake to keep watching. And uh, probably not best for now, but the the parallels between that and the current political arena are amazing. And yeah. if you just map out the strategy, I mean, there's a reason that the Donald Trump was on WrestleMania. I'll just say that. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. That's a very good point. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure a lot of his voters were like, oh, yeah, I remember when I watched that. It was awesome. Our, yeah. Our and, uh, and, and, and just hearing, I mean, you know, lighten it up, just hearing Vince McMahon go, Umaga, over and over again, you know, was... God rest. <laughs> hey, I was yeah. Godspeed, Umaga. So I watched a lot of wrestling back in the eighties. You know what I mean? I my dad took me to the Tacoma Dome, and I got to see Hulk Hogan beat up Randy <gasps> Macho Man Savage, and that was bef- before before <laughs> yeah. they did before they were they were quote unquote yes. the mega powers. You know, I remember all that. Yeah, I was yeah. watching during all that. My buddy Chris just well, he's re- well, he's retired now. He comes out of retirement every once in a while, but he was one half of the Suicide Kings yeah. that were on the independent circuit here. And he had a chance to go to, to the WCW actually offered him a contract. He turned it down just because he didn't want to be on the road that much. You know, he just had his first kid and he didn't want to he didn't want to be on the road that much. And but you know, dude, that stuff is oh, yeah. not easy. You know? And I still like to listen to Stone Cold Steve Austin. I'll listen to his podcast because I just find him highly entertaining. I like watching his show that that he just had, where he was, where people come on and and they drink beer, shoot the shit, and <laughs> shoot guns. <laughs> and I was just like, I just like Stone Cold. <laughs> well, so I worked, ahead, I worked with the guy at um, when I was a teenager at the bowling alley when I was like growing up. His name was I, I knew him as Farron, right? But he was a wrestler named Randy the Trashman Taylor in the WCW back in the 80s. And then he was Randy the Pimp Taylor oh in the Pacific Northwest Wrestling yes. League. You know, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, 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 grew, I grew up with his daughter, and I grew up working with him, and like, we were really good friends. And so I learned I, – I mean, I, was, I watched wrestling with my, with my grandpa all the time, and then I met him. And I, I learned a lot of like, the behind-the-scenes back-end stuff of what happens wrestling. And he was actually like, the first inductee to the Pacific Northwest Wrestling Hall of Fame. And uh, he's still, cool. you know, he's – obviously a lot older now because it's yeah. like 30 years ago and I knew him, but he, uh, you know, he still promotes the wrestling stuff. And it's, it's funny now because he walks around with like, when you see him, he goes to comic shows all the mm-hmm. time because mm-hmm. he loves comics and he, he wears like, you know, the tank top and he's still, he's still like 65, 80, 70 years old and buff, but in a fanny. I, I remember great. actually I was, I was sitting outside of Starbucks in the town that Dan and I grew up in. And this dude comes up and he's got two ladies on his side and they're in like bathing suits and he's like all decked out in like a jacket with with like a boa and stuff like that and i was like is that rick flair and i'm like, like, yeah, like but it was him it was Randy the pimp taylor and yeah. he, he comes up and he's like you guys want to come to a wrestling show and i was like what the hell is happening because like he's it a was, cool dude yeah because they're doing the the show over at the outside of the tacoma dome and uh a couple of my my buddies and i are like we're like okay we'll go <laughs> we just got we, we just got to yeah. go to this wrestling show. <laughs> he uh, he was only like five seven. He wasn't very tall, but he was just obviously wrestler big. It was yeah. It was when impressive. you're sitting down at a table and you're like I think like eighteen, and and this dude sh- shows up and just like looks bigger than life. Yeah, you kind of like hi. Yeah, dude, I have so many stories because I I worked with him at the bowling alley and he would. It, I have so many stories of him. 
wrestling quote unquote people in real life at the bowling oh, wow. were causing problems. <laughs> it was like he was a wrestler, but he was not a yeah, guy yeah. you wanted to mess with. Uh, I don't think most wrestlers you want to mess with. Yeah, I mean the things that yeah. they do in that ring and the, mm-hmm. the shape that they're in. I, I, can you imagine someone like Hulk Hogan actually hitting somebody for real in the oh, face fuck, with a dude. fist? <laughs> Dude, you'd, you'd probably kill somebody. Dude, I watched Randy grab two guys by the back of the neck. Two guys were taller than him and dragged them out of the building. And they couldn't stop them. <laughs> Wild. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyways, funny book forensics. That was a lot oh, of fun. Yeah, Listen to it. <laughs> I, I don't want to leave this conversation without saying, hey, all the wrestling talk is awesome. I do want to say, though, I mean, for me, I don't want to necessarily call out another podcast, but without Brian Alvarez and F4W Online and Wrestling Observer, I never would have been inspired to, you know, get on and do a podcast. I mean, those guys have been doing this since the beginning, right? That's awesome. And they've been so dedicated. I think the other thing, too, in listening to those podcasts is I learned that you didn't have to shill something you didn't like. Yeah. 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 Because they are open and like. open to the criticism, right? They basically just tell the fans of their <laughs> podcast, if you don't like what I have to say, go listen to something else. And yeah, that's yeah, awesome. it's it's just something that that that's been amazing. I know you all have been doing this for a long time, too. So but gosh, they've been doing this a couple of days. <laughs> Aota Sports Radio or something like that, like in 99 or something like that. It is like oh, wow. crazy. So, yeah, that's one of my early podcast finds on the Internet was was finding them and then, you know, digging into those shows and figuring out. You know, obviously not figuring out how it works because I just started doing it. Uh, I remember <laughs> hearing how it works effectively and how, how you build an audience. You sending me yeah. links to, to to stuff. Listen to this, Greg. Listen to this, and and always like we should we should just do this like over yeah. and over again <laughs> for like yeah. just just well, do it. We Greg. need we a, I know. Well, for... no, but but like we should you know get this out there to the people. We have been doing this for ourselves. <laughs> Eventually, we'll find the lost cassette tapes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and all the and re- release a lot, release the lost yeah. episodes. Everyone we'll put those up on on what website, guys? Spoilerverse.com. Right, but the <laughs> t-shirt thing. This is how good I am at this. Yeah, because I mean, this is why you be, can't unleash me on a live. Before we had done this, feed. I mean, we, we put them up on MySpace before that thing went away. We had like that that live journal. Dude, we had that one fan. Who is that one fan on our MySpace page? He always was friendly. Uh, the oh. Uh, Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, he was such a nice dude. Tom. Yeah. Yeah. He he (laughs) was friends with everybody. Everybody, It was weird as soon as I started. There he he was. He was our podcast biggest fan. It was amazing. Yeah. 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 And he was there from the beginning. And Tom loves podcasts. When when everything just went away, we tried to swap And some really obscure bands uh, were were there. Yeah. Norse death metal rap (laughs) ska band that they were... Yeah. That sounds awesome. <laughs> and the Honky Tonk, and the Honky Tonk Man rapping. Tribute Band. Oh, Those guys were amazing. That was great. I was, I was impressed. I was super impressed. Guitar to the head. what happens when we don't have a script. We just kind of talk about everything. Hey, it's, oh, um, it just kind of went off the rails there. I love that. Oh, yeah. wow. Somebody said wrestling, and yeah. we all geeked out a little bit. We, it's kind of funny. We take jumping the, the shark to in a whole new level. We don't. Uh, this is, we, our sharks have lasers. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but let's let's pull it back. We just got done listening yes. to Funny Book Forensic. Uh, you guys are obviously having a lot of fun. Sure. What's the? Do you guys have an idea what the next episode is going to be, and when's it going to drop? Next episode is about a comic book. And how? Yeah, good, yep. good. Yeah, yeah. Keep it on, on theme, theme there. To start. We started a theme on this one of throwaway characters, and the next episode we're going to cover 
on episode 248. We're going to cover Green Lantern Volume 259, some classic John Broom. Okay, maybe not so classic, but some classic Gil Kane <laughs> art to go wrong with that John Broom script. And we are going to look at the first appearance of Guy Gardner, the other Green Lantern of Earth, who was so amazing that they didn't even give him a ring. No ring. <laughs> it is a Silver Age classic. And I guess I use the term classic lately. It, it The Gil Kane art's amazing, right, Chris? Yes. Yes. And... Then uh, coming after after that, we're taking a look at Green Lantern uh, 87, and that would be the first appearance of Jon Stewart and the second appearance of Guy Gardner. And that's a Denny O'Neill, Neil Adams book mm-hmm. uh, in that Green Lantern, nice. Green Arrow run. So, Jon Stewart, yeah, my favorite. It, 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 and that's a, I think uh, um, it's a really good, it's a great story for, for the time. I like, I like Kyle Rayner better. Whew. Yeah. Yeah. And, he, he's, yeah, I, I mean, I like a, them all, the and I think that they, they all have unique yes. properties, yeah. right? And, and that's one of the things we want to dig into. Uh, but the main theme of these first few episodes is this sort of this idea of the throwaway character, right? So we look at the characters, how they showed up in JLA, mm-hmm. and then... How they disappeared. We <laughs> look at where they, where they came from. And then the uh, 250, so that'll be the next episode in, we'll look at that countdown to Infinity Crisis... I don't want to spoil a book for you, but it doesn't go well for Ted Cord in that book. Yeah, it doesn't. I was surprised. I I really <laughs> I was, was. Shocked. I hadn't read it yet. And so, yeah, I have a funny story about that book, but I can I'll tell you guys later. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, feel free to tell it now because <laughs> my funny it, story was this: uh, I saw the cover and saw Batman holding somebody, and then opened up the uh, page and saw Ted Cord on the first page and put it away and didn't read it for two weeks. I was really? mad. Yeah. Well, I knew. I mean. You knew what was yeah, going to happen? I hadn't seen Ted Cord for a while, and, and there he is on the first page of a book, and I'm like, damn it. Like, what are they doing? Thought, damn, not another <laughs> It's <Robin>. not cool. <laughs> not cool. Do I get to vote on this? I, yeah, I right, think, Greg? Yeah. Do I get to call in? Can I call a 1-900 number to save him, please? That would have been great. At the end, it leaves a cliffhanger with a phone number. Does he get saved? They did no, that I know. in Death in the Family. <laughs> like, it just, it, they just keep doing it. Let's, do you want to save this character or not? <laughs> again and again and again. I think it, it never goes the way. I think 100% of the time you get people saying kill him. Yeah. I'm the worst hypocrite, though. I have a big Aaron Lepresti page of Maxwell Lord with his checkmate uniform hanging on my wall. So I know. What's up with that? I, I'm, I'm the biggest hypocrite of all. But, yeah, I, so there's our f- first few topics. We kind of explore that idea of that throwaway uh, character and what different writers and artists can do mm-hmm. uh, with the character. And yeah. Boy, I, I think the, the, that fourth episode there, uh, 250, that Blue Beetle episode is a lot of fun. Uh, actually, we split it up into two yeah, parts. Yeah, it's such a hefty And book. we get into a lot of the history of Blue Beetle as well. So it's not just Ted Kord, cool. but like what was going on in the Golden mm-hmm. Age. Why did the Blue Beetle character never take off? Digging in. So there's a, there's a little... Uh, uh, taste to whet your appetite there. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Nice. I like well, it. Well, I'm excited to see this thing get going beyond the episode that we just that we just all got to listen to, which was great, and then see how it comes how this comes to fruition cuz I I think the idea and everything that you guys are have going on is going to be a lot of fun. And and you guys oh, work thanks. really well together. <laughs> yeah. You have great chemistry as I say. It all started yeah. long ago. 
Yeah, we, we already oh, talked okay. about that, Greg. We're good. We're good. So we're rec- recording <laughs> right now, but maybe this was a good time for the four of us to decide like what day these episodes should come out, and then we can <laughs> tell the people like what day they're coming out. <laughs> how's how, how's Wednesday, Wednesday sound for you? I was thinking Wednesday sounds great. Yeah, that's that's, that's what I was gonna ask. Is like what day are we not overloading the spoilerverse feed? And I was just since asking. we have uh, several in the can, we can just. Uh, we'll have the first five weeks there. The yeah, people, Wednesday's good. See, do this Wednesday. is how we do things. We let the people know when we decide right then and there. I don't know what that, that was. <laughs> yeah. Funny Book Forensics will be coming out every Wednesday right here on the Spoilerverse. Boom. There you guys go. Yeah. Funny Book Forensics in the books, as they say. Thanks for joining us today, Greg. Dan, thank you so much for coming onto the spoilerverse.com, onto the network, and bringing this amazing show. We can't wait to see how it goes and where it leads uh, because it seems like a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much, John. I think that's a show. That's a show, man. That's a show. Let's go ahead and wrap this up for everyone now. Yeah. Hey, if you guys like what you heard, you want to hear more, find out more. You want to hear more, find out more? That doesn't make I mean, both. do both. Why not? Do both. Whatever. Anyways, go check us out at SpoilerVerse.com. There is a plethora of podcasts there with a lot of great content, a lot of great stuff coming out. Um, and plus, with all the articles coming from Sarah Kay and Jay Roach and everybody else that's involved, you will not be disappointed. Nope. And you can go to our, our website, go to the center, click on that store link, go to Public, pick up a t-shirt or a mug or a hoodie or whatever. Help support the network as a whole. All that money goes back into paying all the bills it costs to uh, to run a network with, you know, 14 podcasts on it and other people. So go do that and you know, do it now. Yeah. And here's the part that freaked out Travis Webb the last time we had great. The oceans of podcasts. We are Cthulhu. Let's Cthulhu.